Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. It's Liz here, and I'm joined by Kishore and Brian. So we are chilling here right now. Um, I would say just around an hour out of the end of game three of the Jets season. They are now 0-2-1. We just kind of wrapped up our early mini three-game road trip to start the season. Home openers on Thursday against Anaheim, all that good stuff. So we just thought we'd do a quick little roundtable. Haven't put out some episodes in a while, so just talk about some early impressions, maybe some um, training camp wrap-up stuff, any thoughts about guys who didn't didn't make the roster, and then talk about some early showings of guys in the first three games, all that good stuff, and we'll just kind of have an informal conversation about all that. So um, let's just quickly dive into some like actual like emotional reactions of tonight's 6-5 loss against uh, the Minnesota Wild. Um, Kishore, start us off. Got some thoughts. <laughs> I'm not, happy isn't the right word, but I feel vindicated um like that was one of the worst regular season losses it was really hard to watch uh it was uh, a reminder that being a jets fan is pain oftentimes but to me what occurred is i haven't for a long time i haven't felt like the coaching staff was the right staff to take this club to the stanley cup uh to a stanley cup victory and if I'm looking for something early season, now that we have expectations on this team, that's a positive. I think the fans are undeniably seeing the shortcomings of the coaching staff in a way that is showing up uh, that could result in change. Uh, last This whole week, there's been talk about how Jeremy Colton is going to be the first coach fired. I think Paul Maurice has entered the chat. Yeah, like, how do you put Riley Nash on the top power play and not expect to get any backlash from it? How do you also put, I mean, I know Morrissey scored today on the power play, but how do you put uh, Josh Morrissey as a second defenseman on that power play? And then you're just talking about like right-hand shot versus left-hand shot. Like that's not, what matters you can reconfigure that a little bit it's it's whatever but yeah there's that and the penalty kill can't get anything right it hasn't been it's been brutal under maurice ever since he's come here i was checking uh, evolving hockey the other day um i think it was since maurice got here three bottom four finishes in uh expected goals against uh, per 60 on the penalty kill since his arrival. And like he's, and he's never had a season above, um, above, above average in terms of expected goals against on the penalty kill. And I think one season where they finished um, above average in goals. And that was last year uh, almost all due to Hellebuck. So like that doesn't work. You know that Uh, the team's been brutal for three years at five on five expected goals, shot shares, that kind of stuff. Uh, Maybe you could see the shot share improving this year, given the new system. Um, But he still doesn't know where to play his players. Like he had Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, all playing together. Um, That hasn't worked for, you know, since the Jets were a great team back in 2018, 
but that's that's four seasons ago now like come on and you saw it today you take Blake Wheeler off that line you put Andrew Kopp there suddenly they start producing offense and whoa gee like I I don't want to shit all over Blake Wheeler but he's just not that guy anymore and it's just the decision making forever has just been atrocious and like it's been time for a change for a long time now but like I, I don't think it's gonna happen now but as Kishore said it's he's probably at least approaching the hot seat yeah my, my stat of the night that I think underscores this. It's a 6-5 OT loss for the Jets. 11 goals. If there's one player on this team that's built for a 6-5 game, it's Nick Ehlers. Nick Ehlers was sixth in ice time tonight on the Jets. Sixth in ice time. I don't think his line was all that effective, but and Paul Stastny just can't keep up with those guys anymore. Like on the yeah. wing, he's he's not that guy. Like if you wanted to put him at center and Dubois on the wing, maybe, but it's, it just doesn't work with Stastny on the wing. I I get it. And like, we can talk about the line combinations, get all the details. You can't in a six, five game have your best offensive player play the six most of any forward. And and it wasn't like, Oh, it was only like 10 seconds difference. He played seven and a half minutes less than Shifley. that's that's rough i shifley had a great game i honestly really liked so much of what i saw from shifley like i just think that all the parts of him that we really liked like i think my issue with shifley everyone's like oh like defense this that whatever like i don't care if you suck at defense if you're really really good at offense but even his offense was just not that great for the last couple years and i just think we saw a lot more of the good parts of mark shifley that we've loved for 10 years kind of thing like i think we saw some of that tonight which is super exciting um but yeah seven minutes ahead of your second line right winger, who also is the best player on your team. Uh, certainly a choice, I guess, or Ehlers, I guess, plays left wing when Stastny's, I have no idea. No, um, he'd be on the right pretty much exclusively now. Right. Yeah. Well, whatever. But I, I totally agree. I don't think Stastny's a fit there. I think I, yeah, he's just a little too slow. I saw him put out there uh, for overtime there. And I was like, Oh boy, this is not the style of game that caters to Paul Stastny's skill set. Like I just, yeah, well, whatever. But yeah, I thought there were a lot of exciting things from this game. Um, definitely more exciting things from than from the first two games. Uh, I didn't. I really didn't like the San Jose game. Um, first game, I always try and have a little bit of patience, just let the growing pains work themselves out and stuff. And you could say that for the first five games of the season, whatever. But I didn't like game two. I liked game three and game one. I was indifferent, kind of at the end of the day. I, I think some of the themes that that we saw really have some big negative, negative ramifications tonight uh, have been true all season. The biggest problem the jets have is their PK is awful. Like it is, it might be like one of the top PKs in the AHL is that is really, really terrible. Would they be a top PK team in the AHL? I don't know. <laughs> it's close. Like, that's the problem. And it's not just that you're giving up goals. They're giving up high, uh, high quality chances. And Connor Hellebuck isn't the best goalie in the world right now. He's like an okay goalie right now. And we're seeing the consequences of that on the PK. 
And what we're seeing is just like a very bizarre set of people playing on the PK beyond the PK system being really ineffective. Uh, Lowry Cop, sure. I have all day for Lowry Cop being on your penalty kill, but the array of defensemen they've put out um, on the penalty kill has been so ineffective. Um, and the lack of adjustments that we've seen on that penalty kill is deeply concerning. Yeah, I think they have one effective defenseman on the penalty kill, and that's Dylan DeMello. Like- yeah, I, um, I certainly, you know what? One thing I will say, um, trying to phrase this properly, uh, I feel like the Jets have kind of really, they've committed to Logan Stanley now. Like last year was so annoying that they're like, he's our guy, whatever, but then they wouldn't let him play any special teams and they'd play him with like the most sheltered minutes ever. Like at least they're putting him on stuff now. They put him out in overtime, they put him on the penalty kill. So at least like, I don't know, I think that's a better use of a defenseman than just having him basically be a pylon for like seven minutes a night or something like that. Um, He's not good at it. Um, Don't get me wrong. I don't think he's a good penalty killer. Um, And I don't think Neil Pionk's a good penalty killer either. No. Um, Yeah. Every time we're on the PK, I just, yeah, it's terrifying. And then also just the fact that we get a lot of penalties too. So therefore we have to use the PK a lot, which isn't The NHL said from the get-go, we're going to call a ton more penalties early in the season. And they've called a ton more penalties and the Jets weren't prepared. Um, You can't win games where you give up three power play goals, which is what they did tonight. Uh, And, uh, to me it's it's not about personnel it's about coaching like this is a special teams coaching situation like the other thing that's bad is Connor Hellebuck hasn't been great um but am I worried about Connor Hellebuck rounding into form at some point this season no I'm not I'm just not worried about the guy he has too much of a track record to be really concerned that there's something off there's no reports of him being hurt the guy I'm most concerned about for all the talk about Wheeler and uh you know Ehlers not producing yet all that kind of stuff it's Neil Pionk has looked pretty terrible um in multiple facets of the game he hasn't been able to handle the system change in a way that the uh the transition offense that comes back from having the system he hasn't been really able to stop people on the rush uh and we haven't seen him be as physical in terms of eliminating plays behind the net as he was Uh, late in the season last year right yeah I'll be honest with you like I know the Dylan Pionk pairing has kind of maybe struggled a bit at the start here I haven't really um, dug in too deep to watching like like I haven't re-watched any games to watch kind of how the dynamic between Dylan and Pionk has been Um, I don't like Pionk hasn't stood out to me really particularly positively in any way maybe hasn't stood out to me that negatively either but um yeah the the pairing itself for sure hasn't worked so far which and i thought they were going to be maybe the jets best deep pairing this year which so it's a bit of a surprise to me to be honest with you yeah absolutely uh speaking of kind of the back end there i think um morsey has had like I, my expectations for him are like so far in the ground that you can't even see them anymore sort of thing. So relative to that, I think he's looked good. I don't know kind of in the grand scheme of things, if that's how a $6 million defenseman should look. Um, But I think I've just been so blinded by 
a year of just absolute caved in struggles, poor partners, poor results, just chaotic looking play that I think he's looked good. And I feel like he just looks better, like kind of just in all aspects of when I'm watching him. I don't know if anyone else can attest to that or if you disagree or what your thoughts are on Josh Morrissey. Yeah. So Morrissey to me um, has been almost exactly what I expected he would be this year. I didn't think he was going to be the guy from 2018, but I also thought he was going to be better than last year. He's certainly been better than last year. I mean, it's only been three games so far, but I mean, you look at last year, he couldn't, he couldn't even get simple reads, right? And I think that was just a bit of a byproduct of the system he was playing in. He's not suited for a system that's just going to sit back and defend because one-on-one defense is so far from Morrissey's strength and, you know, just defending in zone in that kind of structure. It's not really his game. His game is kind of reading and kind of intercepting plays in the neutral zone, uh, stopping plays before they happen and kind of, you know, playing the game that sort of way. And I think he's done a half decent job at that, but at times it can get chaotic in the jet zone zone and, Nate Schmidt isn't the greatest defender himself. So when that, when that pairing kind of gets caved in, it can get a little bit too chaotic in there. So uh, like it's been obviously way better than last year, I think, but you know, maybe I I think he's been about average, maybe slightly above average this year so far, if we're talking about Morrissey, um, but yeah, we'll see where it goes from here. I don't think I've gotten a great read on him so far. As with any player, it's only three games. I don't... Yeah, I don't it's early that. because we expected the new pairs take time to gel together. And so the thing that uh, I think has stood out about Morrissey to me is how ineffective he had been on the power play. Um, and then we got Nate Schmidt on the top power play tonight um, a little bit more, and it looked a lot better with him um, at the point. Um, and so I, I kind of want them to give Schmidt and Pionk a longer look on power play instead of Morrissey back there. Like, let Morrissey have a, a little bit time away from that, uh, but really just focus down on the PK. Oh, and the PK, the PK has killed us so far. That's the difference. Like, we're we're probably talking about something completely different right now if the pk is fixed like they've they've taken how many penalties now i think it's like 14 maybe like are they 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 might be 50 percent on the pk this year between dubois and dylan i bet you they make up half of those (laughs) it's well yeah but it's like seven seven goals against i think is what it is like I think the five on five game has been a bit sloppy, but they haven't been awful, awful at five on five. No. The only place they've been super awful is the PK. I think like, let's say they've given up two or three, uh, three goals against on the PK this year. One of those one, or maybe even two of those uh, games is probably a win at that point. And then we're talking about, okay, so the five on five game hasn't been there, but they're building. So that's, so there's that. So it's, you know, those little things that really change the outlook, but it's tough. It's tough to be optimistic though. when you know, 
you've lost three games to start the season. And a lot of it is due to the same crap as before coaching. Yeah. Oh yeah. But Sets. no, I'm surprised, but great teams are good at five on five, five on four and four on five. Right. Like I think they just, you know, people talk about Stanley cup contenders. This like, if they still suck on the power play and penalty kill, like, and especially with the way that things are being called, like half the game is spent on special teams. Like if yours suck that bad, like it's no surprise that you're losing games. So I'm not, it's kind of whatever. Um, Kishore, did you want to jump on that before we? Yeah, I was just going to say, we've given up seven power play goals in three games. You just can't win giving up an average of more than two power play goals a game. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, and uh, the other side of that isn't, I, I'm not worried about how many penalties they're taking. There's a ton of penalties being called across the league. You just got to kill it. And mm-hmm. uh, our goalie is good. You know, he may not be as sharp as he can be, but like when you have a good goalie that you don't have to worry about like him being able to like handle pucks and control rebounds on long shots, you, you almost have like an extra half player out there. And so they should be designing the PK system with that in mind. The thing that it, I think is most concerning about the PK is how easily players have been able to get into the crease for rebounds because a lot, if you look at a chart of where the power play goals have come from, they're all in super close on like rebounds and second chances. And like, that's the kind of stuff that is not uh, like, Oh, bad play. We got beaten by good shots. There's maybe been two of the power play goals have been good shots that beat Hellebuck. What we're really seeing is a lack of, of a system control where they can collapse down. So like either shrink the box, move it back towards, they, they have to make coaching adjustments here. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, I was going to touch on, oh yeah, just kind of like building off of um, a little bit. We're like, oh yeah, this is kind of where the team has faltered. Does anyone have any particular kind of players they thought have looked good or better or anything like that in the first bit? I'll start. Does anyone know what I'm going to say? Does anyone know? I'm going to say Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, I think. <laughs> Let me put on my surprised face. <laughs> um, I've just, you know, it's been like tossing and turning all summer. Can't sleep thinking about how bad he's going to be this year and what's going to happen if he doesn't turn up. And when Patrick Liney scores 60 goals this year and people are going to start crying about the trade again and all that stuff, you know. I just want him to do well for literally everyone's sake on planet earth. I just want him to do well. And I think he's looked better. Like, I don't know, just like even tonight, for example, like I didn't think he looked that good. I talked about it in the Twitter space. though. like, he hasn't looked great tonight. Granted, we didn't think any of that second line looked super sharp and then he scored, but um, I liked that goal. Cause it just seemed like a little bit more, he's a bit of a choker when it comes to finishing sometimes like I'll be completely honest like it started in the world juniors when we could have gone to the final (laughs) missed the back door and we'll never forget that um but like it's just been one of those kind of not weaknesses in this game kind of thing but like just something that becomes a little bit more evident when the player's not all there kind of thing which is I think we saw a lot of that last year and just like tonight picking up that little puck in the slot there, making that nice shot, scoring the goal when it counted kind of thing. Little things like that make me feel like he's a little bit more dialed in, a little bit more, not engaged, because I don't think he was trying to be kind of distant last year. I just think it was just a terrible year for him and stuff. Um, but I think he looks better. Like, I think I think he's going to have a good year, and I really hope he does. <laughs> Am I allowed to say anything nice about Kyle Connor after the way the game ended? No, you because are. Her. You are. It's okay. <laughs> 
Okay. I mean, he cost the team a point. There's no other way to say it. He, he alone cost them a point tonight, but outside of that, he's been good um, in the way that we need Kyle Connor to be good. Like he's getting to open spots. He's his shot is in mid mid season form. What is he? Is he at three goals now in three games? Can't ask for much more from Kyle Connor. Um, and I feel like the chemistry with Shifley really showed through tonight um, with that Shifley Connor uh, cop line, which we really want to see uh, going forward. I also really liked the power play setup they had with Schmidt um, in the center up top and then Shifley and Connor on the half walls on either side. So you have threats to shoot from either side of the ice and PLD in the middle. I think that is all tuning up for a Kyle Connor shot at a 40 goal season. Uh, if he keeps playing like that, nothing to complain about there. I think that it just been, he's probably been the best jet uh, of the season so far. I think for Kyle Connor, it's just a lot easier for him when he, when he's not forced to play with Blake Wheeler. And that's, I hate to rag on the guy, but it's just that's what it is. Like it's Wheeler, the theme. like it just Wheeler. Is. Wheeler isn't Wheeler isn't getting the job done. It's plays just die on his stick, right? And he's kind of laboring around out there, just not really making anything happen. Um, replacing him with Andrew Cop tonight, I think Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley really kind of shined. You know. Um, so, and I, like you said, I like, I really liked Kyle Connor's game tonight specifically. Like it was a very Kyle Connor game, but maybe with a little extra spice offensively kind of thing in terms of carrying the puck and making good plays with it. hundred percent. Yeah. And like, I think, I don't know, like some of the things that I, and I, I feel like it's so hard when it comes to some of these players, I feel like I say the same things about them all the time and I'll try, but I sound like an old man when I talk about Kyle Connor, because the things I don't like about him are, are old man things that I don't like about him, like kind of weaker on the boards. He he doesn't win puck battles. He just doesn't. And that can really, really work to his detriment when trying to keep plays alive in the offensive zone. If he goes into the boards with someone, he never comes out with a puck. It's, it's tough. I'm not saying he never does, but he rarely, but I just feel like he's looked a little bit, like you said, like a little bit more confident with the puck on a stick and a little just bit stronger and just kind of that way. And I think it'll end up in a longer sample translating into him looking better kind of across the board. So like, yeah, I agree with you. Kishore. I think he's been one of the most impressive jets throughout the first three games. We, we used to say this about line A. If he puts in 40 goals, who cares? Like, whatever. Go for, like, do a twirl in the offensive zone if you want. Put in 40 goals. Like, yeah. scoring oh, yeah. goals is hard. Sure. If he scores 40, great. The thing is, if he scores 25, then you can't get away with that stuff uh, and, and have those deficiencies show up in other parts of the game. So, mm-hmm. like, if he keeps on this kind of pace, I think that's great. Were we just talking about players we thought were really good this year, despite our regardless of expectation? Yeah. I mean, because I, I expected this one, Dylan DeMello, he's just been like, I think everyone, everyone knew I was going to say that, but he's just been almost perfect this year. Like it, it's every, it's every single game almost. 
he just makes the right play every single time the puck comes to him. He's he in the right the like a- he's in the right spot all the time. He he just doesn't he's not highly skilled. He's not going to get super involved in the offensive zone, but he's just right to use a Paul Mauriceism. He's just, <laughs> he's just right. No, like, I agree. Like it's if you so get funny. what I'm saying. No, when I watch him play, it's like almost like if you slowed the game down to 0.5 or whatever, it's like I would watch him and it's like a video game and I'm like, he gets the puck on a stick. It's like, I know where he's going to, I know where he wants to put it. I know he's going to put it there and he's going to do it right. And it's going to, and it's going to work. Like, like you said, every time. And it gets so frustrating to me. Did I tell you guys about this? I actually got into like almost like a yelling match about Dylan DeBello at Grant Park Mall the other day. I I was volunteering for charity. Uh, with, with the group and we were talking about hockey I actually ended up joining the fantasy league and they're just like all these like things we were so like in agreement whatever and we we're talking about these different things and I oh and I told them about how I bought that Dustin Buffalo jersey for $32.50 and I was pumped about it and I was like one of my friends wants to get one that's Dylan DeBello and he's mad because they can't they don't have them and he has to get it custom but then he can't get the small e and they're like oh, well yeah. the question is why would he want to build a developer so he was like haha that's what i want to get next and they're like wait are you kidding he sucks and i was like no you didn't just say that to me and then i just got into this huge thing they're like he looks so out of place in the defensive zone i'm like first of all what <laughs> no he doesn't have you watched him in the defensive zone? Because I don't think he does. And second of all, zone. if only yeah, yeah. if the defensive game was played only in the defensive zone, like yeah. it would be a completely different story. That's not, it's not all about that. Oh yeah. So we got so into it. I like, actually had to be like, okay guys, like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I get very frustrated with this. Cause then they're like, Oh, I bet you're one of those people who thinks you should have been protected over Logan Stanley. And the <laughs> they're like, that's it. Like that's, um, <laughs> I was like, that's do you know my personality trait wow. for all of July? That's all I talked about. <laughs> so it was like a whole thing, but it was really funny. We're all hey, we're all good now. But I anyways. think the important thing is Dylan DeMello's only taken two penalty minutes in three games. When you look at like Morrissey, Pionk, and Dylan have all taken like four and up. And if your worst thing is on the PK, like you need defensemen that are going to like stop things from happening get the puck out of the zone and not take a penalty doing it. And I get that uh, DeMello has not been playing against the team's best players. Like he wasn't matched up on Kaprizov tonight. Um, And Kaprizov forces a lot of penalties, but still like he's just doing what he's supposed to do. I think is what the, uh, the sentiment I have. And doing it well, which I think is something important too. Something the Jets should be doing is looking at getting DeMello some extra minutes. Like, if say like you got a guy in the top four that's you know maybe not playing his best you could slide DeMello into any of those spots essentially um I mean at this point like at this point the argument is DeMello Morrissey Schmidt Schmidt Stanley I I guess um well I'm I'm just, just run with it I'm just thinking like like game to game like it's not like I'm not saying permanently place DeMello with Morrissey or anything like that. I'm just saying like in certain situations at the end of, at the end of this game, I think they should have put Dylan and DeMello, Brendan Dylan and Dylan DeMello together. You know, like I know maybe Dylan hasn't had the best start to this season, but um, I mean, he got Superman punched. Like, let's give him a break. (laughs) 
Well, those those are your two kind of defensive defensemen that are supposed to kind of lead in that yeah. regard. So maybe if you want less danger at your own end, put those two guys together. Or um, like you could go back to the Morrissey Demello thing. Way it's going to be a lot less chaotic than the version with Schmidt there. I um I shouldn't time on ice is not a real stat, but it's fun anyway. I love this. I'm just like so. Mark Shackley played 25 minutes tonight, so that's super. Jeez, that's a lot and normal. Um, so Dylan Demello played 15 minutes, and Stanley only played 13. So actually, sorry, he played 15:44. So he played like almost 16 minutes, and Stanley played 13, which I think is neat. Hmm. I don't know, and I would like everyone to put in their wagers now for how many minutes Nathan Bolio had our our Mr. Seventh defenseman. I think it was he five didn't play ish. It was four like or two? five. It, he had four. He had four minutes. Oh, okay. Matt, imagine scratching Cole Perfetti for four minutes of Nathan Bolio. I don't have to imagine it. it I, I understand the actual I can't believe it. I honestly it, it's a like, ridiculous move. But I understand the mentality was like our PK sucks. Let's who who do we have that's at least played on the PK? Okay, like, but they didn't put him out there, did they? Was he even no. on any of the no? It's like no, it was oh, like last year. Last year when they were like, Okay, well, we gotta put Nate Thompson in because we need him on the PK. And then he didn't start the year on the PK. And then all of a sudden he's taking the place of what was it, Mason Appleton on the PK. Mason Appleton was a good penalty killer. Nate Thompson was was not penalty killer, not best, but like I loved him as a penalty killer because he combined my two favorite aspects of a penalty killer: one being good at it, and two being able to have that extra one-two punch, quick stride when you poke the puck away to get sprung on a breakaway sort of thing. That that's not a Nate Thompson characteristic. Um, And yeah, he was so good at that. Oh, I was so peeved about that last year. That was probably one of the things I was most angry about was Nate Thompson coming back from injury, not playing penalty kill, and then when he did take away Mason Appleton. Mm. yeah so mad so it's like the same thing now where it's like nathan Bolyu. I, I guess they didn't say he was specifically brought in to play the pk but you know they didn't i honestly didn't that. even that that wasn't what crossed my mind when they made this roster decision i just thought not at all great. not at all i i didn't think of that i didn't think of special teams i was just like colper freddie isn't playing a lot anyway nathan bolio they like and with when one veteran gets hurt they didn't see this as one top sixer getting hurt and replacing it with another top six they're like no one veteran is hurt we gotta put in another one <laughs> what what uh you gotta wonder how how cole perfetti would have done on a line with uh, dubois and Ehlers, or how well he would do i fully expect him to get sent back down to the moose right away which is so unfortunate because really cole perfetti had one great game like first game he was great he was everywhere and game two he was fine like he wasn't like the whole team kind of sucked he wasn't worse than the other guys by any stretch so like it just seems so shitty to me that they would you know just use that as an excuse to send him down like look at the other guys that weren't performing too like what are we going to say? Like who, who had a particularly poor game? Like uh, tonight? there's a lot Look in the, San, in the San Jose game. Uh, oh. 
I don't think Blake Wheeler. Well, Blake Wheeler obviously <laughs> Blake did not Wheeler a good had a game. Bad game. Are we gonna say, oh, he's not ready? Let's send him to the Moose because he had a bad game. Uh, frankly, like the same I, logic. I haven't been impressed with Veselining this year. I, I can't remember if there's anything uh, about the San mention, Jose game that was bad. I thought he looked better tonight. He only I thought he had like, a good game tonight. Yeah, I thought he looked good tonight. Uh, I feel like he also played like Nathan Volio minutes in the first two games. Like I really don't think he played almost at all. Mm. Like he was like the odd man out kind of thing. Sorry, but before I just want to, I hadn't even thought about this till now. Blake Wheeler has COVID 10 days minimum. And he's out, right? Yeah. What do you think they roll on Thursday? Do you think because there's Same no lines. way there's no way they're going eleven and seven again? There's a zero percent. Uh, like, do you think it, they pull up Toninato or something? Because he's not waivers. If they send down, if they send down Perfetti, then I guess they'll call up, call up Tony Nato, but like, I don't think he can run seven seven D. I think I this bet is you a- they will again. That's I I think they're gonna do it again, to be oh, honest with you. I mean, if we're talking about who's played badly, like Wheeler, and I hope he gets better from COVID, it's like scary that he's fully vaccinated and he has symptoms, all of that. But he was, he's been bad the first two games, a lot of bad giveaways. Stastny's been bad. Um, and not just like, oh, he's just uh, a little bit out of the play or a little rusty. He looks slow, which is a real big problem. Um, Riley Nash who is supposed to, when he's on the ice, nothing happens and stuff is happening when he's on the ice (laughs) going the wrong way. Like those are all big, big problems. Um, And, you know, we can be like, oh, and Adam Lowry hasn't really played shutdown or Andrew Andrew Kopp hasn't really been great. I'm not worried about those players. It is the, it's the other players that are designed to sort of have a specific role on the team um, that are just are whiffing in a, in a big way. Like the right mentality now would be to put Perfetti with Ehlers and Dubois um, mm-hmm. and then leave cop with Shifley and Connor. And like, that's your top six go. Mm-hmm. Then oh, Lowry can play with Stasty and whoever Harkins, Veselainen. I don't care. Put and them together. Back. Yeah. That's actually a really good spot for Wheeler. And Wheeler Stastny on Wheeler. the power, power. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, Adam, Adam Lowry will cover up the defensive lapses that we've seen from Wheeler. I think I always talk, like, we always talk about, like, oh, Kyle Connor was what Pat, people thought Patrick Lennon was. Here's what I'm going to throw at you. Blake Wheeler is what people think Nikolai Ehlers is. See where I'm going with this? People always talk no, about Blake, how they're like Blake if, Wheeler is worse than people. No, no, sorry. In, in the sense that people say Nikolai Ehlers would be worse if you played him more. Therefore, we keep oh, the minutes down to okay. keep him effective. Blake Wheeler is worse with more minutes. If you keep his minutes down, he's going to become more effective as a player. Yeah, we will. I guess we'll never That's, know that with the with the current coach. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know, but you I, you want to hear the honest thing that scares me. We have lost, we lost to Anaheim and I I feel like we outplayed them and like just bounces didn't go our way. PK was bad. Fine. San Jose, we got outplayed. Not by a lot, but by enough. This Minnesota game, I I mean, I think we would say we got outplayed. We should have won because Cam Talbot was just as bad as Connor Hullabuck tonight. Um, But, you know, whatever. 
these were teams that were expected to make the playoffs. Maybe Minnesota was expected to make it, but the Sharks Minnesota and the Ducks is. are supposed to be two of the worst teams in the Pacific. For what it's worth, we haven't played good teams yet, is my point. What happens when Colorado comes to town? What happens when Edmonton comes to town? What happens when we start to get to the meat of the schedule if this is where this team is? We go from 0 2 and 1 to like 0 6 and 1 real fast if we're not careful. Oh, yeah. Fix the PK. I think um, for what is worth, I have Minnesota actually finishing second in the central. I think they're stacked. I love Minnesota. I think they're super cool. I have um, them second as well. Um, I had them lower just because I don't believe in Cam Talbot as a goalie. But that's, that's fair. But I also think that I who's isn't Kakinen like not bad too. Don't think yeah, he's young. Either. We don't know. Anyways, besides the point. But um, I, I was thinking about that too, and like all these other like the like Columbus for example. Like again. I'm more interested in them, so I follow what they're doing. They're supposed to be the surefire last place, eighth spot in the Metropolitan Division. They're low-key looking kind of good. Like, they're having fun. Like, little things like that. Like, when bad teams perform better than expected and you don't get those what should be, like, easier points against them, it screws you if you're trying to make it to the playoffs and things like that. Like, you can't lose to those teams every time you play them. So, like, if they lose – month or tomorrow against anaheim like that's when you know like we got like, that's not, that's but, not I, I tend not to be overly worried about the schedule early in the season but we get anaheim three times before the end of the month san jose and twice nashville and like and, and nashville and la far, guess, if like, we don't come out of here with i don't know enough two wins in the next what, six games uh in the next five games i honestly think maurice could be fired I think so too, because it's one of those things where I think at this point they made the trades they needed to make. Like all these, like essentially, like you can't really blame the roster anymore. The only roster player you can really blame is Blake Wheeler, and that's a coaching problem, not a Blake Wheeler problem. It's not his fault that he's old. Like what? Yeah. So I think I think at this point it's like one of those things where you can cover all. Like you literally cannot blame anyone else. So I think he almost has to because you can't play it any other way. You know. Holy shit, guys. I just got to bring this up because I know it's only three games, but Patrick Laine leads the Columbus Blue Jackets and expected goal share as per natural stat trick. I mean, when you if come out in a, in a suit and sunglasses like that, what do you else do you expect? If, he's, if he does that for the whole year, he's going to be a superstar. He is a superstar. <laughs> uh, I like, wow. I like, good for him. Because he like earns, like, I hope he gets paid because he actually has personality. And like, that's what the league desperately needs. Like him styling that like wild eighties vibe. Like it, it was amazing. I only wish him the best. Um, We're in trouble. Like I went from being really excited about the home opener against the ducks that we, who we should beat to being like nervous on like a, I'm, I'm like an eight or nine out of 10 nervous for that, for that game. I'm going to see them in San Jose in a couple of weeks. That could be like, that's all of a sudden might be an early important game. If they don't kind of correct things on this homestand, it's wild to say that. And the thing that we were most worried about coming into the season, or at least some fans was Comrie. We haven't even played him yet. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. oh dear. <laughs> 
I really like, wonder what the energy in the barn is going to be like on uh, tomorrow night because you know I, initially it was like tomorrow after, or Thursday. You know, it's Thursday, Thursday. I keep saying tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Like after two years, you'd expect like you know it to be like rocking like a playoff game. I now think it's going to be a real nervous kind of ugly energy in the in the place. It might be, but I also think the kinds of fans that go to hockey games and like not to throw shade, like we're first year season seat holders. We are those hockey fans. They're not sitting there doing the the analysis. Like they're just pumped about everything. Like I don't know if it's quite nerve. I, I don't know. I think they're gonna be. I, I don't know, Liz. This like losing a game like they did tonight, where it was like one of the worst unforced errors that you'll ever see in hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's Derek's. Uh, 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 Patrick Stefan missing the empty net um, in that Dallas Edmonton game. You know, a few rungs down where at KFC, like in, you know, not paying attention on an offside. Uh, but we're not far. We're, we're like t- in the top 20 of bonehead plays. Um, I think that's going to start to affect people's psyche. No, that's fair. Th- and this, this loss is going to hurt. Yeah. And I think also like, to kind of see, like you said, oh, it's three games in, whatever. Like, I think people's worry, like you said, special teams is a worry. Oh, it's only been three games. Also, let's take a look back to 2014. Like, these aren't three-game worries. These are build-up, whatever kind of worries. And I just think that it's all kind of coming to fruition now that we're, I don't know. I just think we're seeing a lot of the things. I, I feel like I'm being proven right in a little bit of a selfish way. And I don't like seeing my team fail, but I'm like, you know what? This is what we're talking about, <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I think, like, I do not expect them to be this terrible. Like, they, by Christmas, will be well above 500. I'm not super worried. Like, I not well above, but I don't know. Okay, now that I'm saying it, I'm getting a little worried. I don't know. I, I'm I, pretty worried. <laughs> I don't know if I'm worried. Like, if they're below 500, what is what it is. I go to my day-to-day life. <laughs> but uh, it's as far as the team goes though I, I don't think uh i have a tough time thinking that they're really gonna get things turned around under this coaching staff that's just the way i felt forever and it's the Here's way the i will continue to feel the only coach who's had a job in the nhl in the position longer than paul maurice has won two cups in two years like Literally. I just, it's the kind of thing where at the end of the day it's oh, he's not doing everything wrong. What is he doing that's right at this point? Like, it's just, it's hard to kind of sit here and defend. And, you know, like when you're just, your team has been mediocre and they made, they finally made the move to be good and they're not. So what do you, what do you do? Like, I think that's kind of the long and the short of it. I'm all for more patience. Like I, like, I'm all for the, the person being like, let's, let's revisit this after five games or 10 games, but it's how they're losing that is the most concerning thing. Fair enough. Um, and if they can return to how they played in that first Anaheim game where they carried play um, and like some things don't go their way, they start to fix the PK, the season can turn around really quickly. Otherwise, we're going to spiral. And then the only thing that's going to change is a coaching change. That's yeah. the only move left. There's no cap space. There's no like Perfetti for as much as we're tuning his horn isn't a guy that can turn around a team season. He no, is no, almost no single player can like, there's very few of them. Yeah. Like, like we don't have like a car that's going to come up or yeah, like, uh, kidding, yeah. But... 
And um, so just to kind of like, I think we're kind of nearing wrapping things up here. I'd like everyone to take a moment and think of three hot takes that we can revisit at the end of the season. So we're three games in and I'll start. Cause I've thought, I actually haven't, I thought about one and then I just got distracted. My first one is I think Billy Hanel plays 30 games with the Winnipeg Jets this year. Um, and I think Mark Shifley scores. I think Mark Shifley gets within a small margin of a hundred points this year. And I think by the end of the season, we have a different head coach. Those are my three hot takes. So we can visit them afterwards. So I, I think Kyle Connor gets 40. Um, I think uh, Hellebuck doesn't crack the top 15 in, let's say, let's say expected goal, uh, like goal saved above the expected. Um, and uh, uh, oh, God, what did I think? I, oh, here we go. Liss is going to kick me off the podcast. I don't think PLD finishes the season as a Jet. Whoa, <laughs> what? That's, that's an incredible. How do you guys come up with this shit? <laughs> well, I was thinking like for that one, I was like, if I think the Jets are going to be bad this year, um, and I think Connor Hellebuck not being top 15 and goal saved above expected means that, who do you trade at the trade deadline? I'm like, who's on an expiring deal that's somewhat affordable? And it's PLD. Trade him in a deal for Eichel, maybe, but wow. <laughs> oh, man. I I can't talk. Liz is so mad at me right now. <laughs> if I go from January 2021 to April 2022 and lose both Patrick Laine and Pierre-Luc Dubois in that span, I'm literally going, I don't know what I'll do, but it won't be pretty. I, I can't, I can't suffer. I can't suffer anymore. I can't. Aww. I don't have quite a hot take like those. And like, I was thinking it to start the season, but now that we've even had like Blake Wheeler's out, Ehlers still isn't getting the extra minutes. Uh, I was thinking maybe if they really started to recognize what they had, that Ehlers would put himself in the heart trophy discussion. That was going to be my hot take, but I don't think I can have that hot take anymore because he's never going to get the volume or the opportunity to do that. It's so, a hot take for a reason. Keep it, keep it spicy. We don't want anything lukewarm over here. I'm just very, I'm not a very hot take person. I'm more of a calculated type of individual, you know? Yeah. I, I think like that was on the edge for me, for sure. Like that was uncomfortable. I don't know if all those things are going to happen. I just went there because Liz pushed us there. <laughs> I will say this is all correctable and correctable quickly. You fix the PK, you give yourself time to fix all the other problems and like let the defensive pairs gel in a way that you can create offense. Wheeler being out for 10 days could be a blessing. Knock on wood that he gets better. He has no long-term symptoms. What he's going through is absolutely terrifying, but this should be looked upon as an opportunity to really try some things that him being in the lineup would prevent you from going after. Yeah. Like, I think the thing is like, you're sitting here like, okay, you have a top six winger out um, for a pretty set clear cut period of time. What it really feels like to me right now is that they're just trying to make do 
until then kind of thing. But also at the same, because they know he's coming back. But the thing is, yes, he's coming back, but he's coming back at the age of 36. Like you're not losing like a 25 year old to a foot injury for six weeks kind of thing. Like this, this, you could be figuring things out for the long term here. So why not use the opportunity that you have to do so? I don't know. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but yeah, I, think I will. Good. I will say I did not expect to be here after three games. Holy cow! This is well, wild. I was hoping for a hot start with the couple, like, and just the easy. The travel schedule looks so nice and breezy. No back to backs. Crappy teams. Couple, like I don't know. I just very yeah, very surprised to be here at this point as well. So it's very interesting. But I'm really really excited to be able to watch the Jets play 31 other teams in the NHL this year, though. That is one thing that I will say. I'm very, very excited about totally that. <laughs> like, Jeez. getting to watch – like, I'll be honest, this is one of the first games of Kirill Kaprizov that I've watched in, in, in an entirety because I most Minnesota games were hard to access last year, and when they were on, I was probably watching something else or whatever. Like, I watched – some but not a lot it's just you know things like that they're exciting it's fun so yeah. Eric, erickson eck like he's not fun to watch but he's like a good hockey player to watch zuccarello was a lot of fun tonight mm-hmm. um like tonight's game is good for the league a 6-5 ot game like that is good for the league just don't want to be it. my team in <laughs> in the midst of it no it's true Awesome. Okay. Well, we will be around, obviously. Um, We'll be doing as many Twitter spaces intermissions as we can to sort of kind of keep up what we started last year in the playoffs, which was super fun. And yeah, just kind of more episodes throughout the year, just random roundtables like this, probably quite often just to sort of get some feelers out there and something a little bit more permanent than a Twitter space that disappears right after you say the thing. Um, But yeah, other than that, just kind of We'll be keeping up with the season as much as you are, and we'll hope for the best along the way. Awesome. Uh, Kishore, Brian, thank you for joining me, and hope to see you all um, during Twitter Spaces next episodes. And as always, feel free to let us know if you have any suggestions for upcoming episodes. So thanks, guys. Just kidding. Right on. Thanks. Bye. I'm Kurt Kielbach, and thank you for listening to the Jet-Centric Broadcast.